This podcast should not be considered as medical or legal advice. If you are looking for such advice, then do contact a professional. But please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. Thank you, Angelic and Amen, for this uh, musical opening of the meeting. Your Royal Highnesses, Excellencies, distinguished heads of state and government, Excellencies, dear partners and friends of the World Economic Forum, a very cordial welcome to the 2023 annual meeting. We are coming together under the motto, Cooperation in a Fragmented World. At the beginning of this year, we are confronted with unprecedented and multiple challenges. First, our global economy is undergoing deep transformation. The energy transition, the consequences of COVID, the reshaping of supply chains are all serving as catalytic forces for the economic transformation. And the hotspots of this geo-economic remodeling are high inflation, increasing interest rates, and growing national debt. This is particularly hurting low- and middle-income groups, it is exacerbating societal fragmentation. Second, the geopolitical system is also undergoing deep systemic transformation. Internationally, we are moving to what some people would call a messy patchwork of powers. There are superpowers, emerging powers, middle powers, regional powers, rogue states, and also large corporate and social media powers, all competing increasingly for power and influence. As a result, 
The trend is again moving towards increased fragmentation and confrontation. Thirdly, our generation has reached a turning point confronted by truly existential problems climate change, exploitation of nature, nuclear possible incidents, or even wars, extreme poverty and viruses. They all can lead to an extinction of large parts of our global population. And we have seen how much dealing with those risks, such as COVID or global warming, have again fragmented populations. And finally, the fourth industrial revolution offers us tremendous opportunities. But at the same time, technologies as computing, quantum computing, blockchain, genetics, and so on, they also could create deep societal fragmentation. We have the ability to collaboratively build a more peaceful, resilient, inclusive, and sustainable world. But to do so, we need to overcome the most critical fragmentation. And the most critical fragmentation is between those who take a constructive attitude and those who are just bystanders, observers, and even go into the negative, critical, and confrontational attitude. But the spirit of Davos is positive, is constructive. It means investing into a greener and therefore more sustainable economy, investing into a more cohesive society, by providing everyone with the appropriate skills and opportunities, investing into the hard and soft infrastructure that modern societies require. And here in Davos, it means despite all those challenges, it means particularly investing in the spirit and the practice of solving problems through mutual respect and cooperation. We believe that we can do it, that through collective responsibility, innovation, human goodwill and ingenuity, we have the capacity to turn the challenges into opportunities. Ladies Oh, that was so boring. Okay, Fabiola. Oh, God. Fabiola, uh, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Leo. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, I mean, we had to... Uh, now, we're a little late on this one because the WEF ended uh, actually last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and we needed to put an update together. We had to, uh, but that was the opening remarks of mm-hmm. everyone's favorite uh, international villain... <laughs> Klaus Schwab. You get no presents and you'd be happy. Yeah, yeah. And so a lot going on there in his uh, 
in his. Uh, I just love the predictive programming, you know, that he puts out. Yeah. Uh, just taking advantage of our power of manifestation, something they don't have and they <laughs> need us for. Well, you know, what's interesting about uh, what he was talking about is I, I was really trying to, to look at it you know, not knowing his background. I mean, like pretending like I don't know his background and all that. And, and, uh, if you just look at the words he's saying, and it's really, this is the weaponization of ideas because everything he's saying, he's trying to, uh, appeal to the, I mean, for, for lack of a better term, the, the do-gooder in all of us, you know what I mean? Like these are the things that we all want to come together to they do. They all start this, their speeches like that. Well, I mean, the, yeah. uh, he he's pretty good because I mean, it, it he makes it sound like because I, I I think you know to the to the average person if you're just going to listen to that and you, there may be some average people that are listening to uh, this clip here you might say hey I I thought everything that he said was was pretty good some of the stuff I don't know what the hell he was talking about but but uh, except I mean, I accept I mean. Oh, we forget, you know, they hold, what is it? The 1% holds like 99% of the wealth. Yeah. If they really wanted to solve these problems, well, I mean, they could. <laughs> I, I thought a really good point. I, mean, I was trying to remember while we were listening to him who I heard said it. It was, uh, I don't know if it was Jordan Peterson or somebody. I can't remember, but um, they were, the, the person I, I listened to was, was saying, you know, what's interesting about the WEF is that, I, I'm not sure why they all need to come together and meet mm -hmm. because they're all in agreement. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a conference about this, he, he goes, how could so many people from different cultures mm -hmm. and different corporate interests, how th they all have different um, uh, angles, you know, for the types of products they make, the, the, the way their cultures uh, 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 interact with the rest of the world and everything. Yet when they come to this event, Everyone is in lockstep. There is no, uh, there are no counter voices. There, there is, it's not a debate. Mm -hmm. it, it's just a pushing out mm -hmm. of an agenda. And so the person I was listening to made a good point. It's like, why do they have to meet? Because why don't they just send the, well, the document out? For the show is the spectacle well, that I, you put together because then it goes into all the mainstream media outlets, and then you have these people all over the world that actually believe uh, mainstream media is actually something you should listen to. And again, I keep saying this, but me coming from a third world country, I mean, it is a big deal to sit in front of the TV for the, you know, 8 p.m. news. I don't know what time the news is here because I never really watched the news here. Um, for us to to listen to it and really like absorb what they're saying so that we can repeat to all the other people that we know and say, look, all these respectable people, they're talking about, you know, saving the world from us, the 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 plague of society, the savages that we are, they're destroying destroying the environment. Look, there's these saviors out there that really care. These billionaires, philanthropists. So if you don't have that, you can't really get people. Well, the majority of people on board and talking about it to create 
this horrific scenario you just pictured, you know, with the uh, supply chain problems and what, what? I mean, I was trying to even take notes when he was talking about it. Well, it helps if you do it in his voice. So it, it all comes back to But you. I mean, really, this has been, this is like right out of the playbook, you know? I, I don't know how much money or energy they spend just getting everybody in their group to really go along with the script because it works so well. But I mean, it's kind of like listening to a politician, really, that's campaigning, even though he is not an elected official here. But it's pretty much, you know, the world sucks. And here we are. Yeah. Altruistic group of wealthy trillionaires. And we're going to take care of it. Don't worry about it. We're here for you. But, but I mean, I just, you know, I get, I totally agree with you that that's why they have the spectacle. Uh, but I think what, what I was taken away from what it didn't dawn on me with that, with that uh, person said, whether it was Jordan Peterson or Rogan or whoever, they said, you know, where do you have a conference where there's not debate? Everybody has different ideas about how to create better systems. Right. But that's not the case here. Everyone's just coming and they're just issuing out these statements about what they're doing. There is, it isn't a, oh, I think this and I think that. Oh, okay, well, here's where I think you have a challenge with yours. So there's no debate. There's zero debate. So that's how you know it's a, bu- it's a bunch of yeah, malarkey. There is debate between mankind. I don't think those kinds of people are part of us. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, uh, so, 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 but, but one thing that was interesting to me uh, was I, I caught a, another um, little news piece. Now, this one's a little bit longer, but I do think it's important um, where this uh, James Lee, he uh, broke down the, the corruption surra- surrounding the World Economic Forum that happens in Davos every year and the corporate interests and whatnot. And, and, and uh, James Lee, he does segments for the Breaking Points uh, uh, news channel, which is a uh, uh, grassroots uh, news channel that a couple of uh, uh, newscasters that broke away from the mainstream media. One was, I think, a producer for Tucker Carlson, Sagar and Jetty, and the other one was uh, uh, Crystal Ball, who used to be a an anchor on MSNBC. So, you know, they came from the belly of the beast. And and uh, I think most of the time I do like watching them, but I mean, they, they will only go so deep. But that's what was so interesting about this particular uh, report from James Lee was that it really seems like it, it, it gives some... Um, uh, you know, more information around the coordination aspects of this and how they're actually kind of behind wanting a recession, you know, in order to usher in things. And so I thought it might be helpful if you were unfamiliar with the WEF and structure and all that. Again, about 10 minutes. I think it's well done. I wouldn't bother you you with it otherwise. So let's go ahead and listen to that. All right, here, here we go. Hey there, my name is James Lee. Welcome to another segment of 5149 on Breaking Points. And today, let's explore the hot button topic permeating the minds of CEOs and billionaires at this year's World Economic Forum annual meeting in Davos, Switzerland. The Wall Street Journal. At Davos, mood is somber as many CEOs question economic outlook. Reuters. Davos 2023, CEOs most gloomy on growth in more than a decade. Bloomberg News, CEOs, economists worry global recession looms as WEF begins. Davos has gone mainstream, 
and recession has gone mainstream. A PwC survey shows 73 percent of chief executives across the world are expecting a global economic growth to decline over the next 12 months. That is the most pessimistic view CEOs have had since the survey started over a decade ago. Mark, we've been expecting a slowdown, but an overwhelming number of CEOs say it's coming this year. Yeah. And Cheryl and I were just talking about this. I I feel like if there is a recession this year, which I think is likely, that this is going to go down as one of the most telegraphed, most consensus recessions ever, because everyone seems to be on board. Everyone believes that there's going to be a recession sometime this year. One of the most telegraphed, most consensus recessions ever, says Mr. CEO there. Does anyone else find it very odd, the nature of today's discourse, where CEOs and billionaires are all predicting a recession. Jeff Bezos, who has $90 billion of his personal net worth in Amazon stock, told people not to use it. The probabilities say if we're not in a recession right now, we're likely to be in one very soon. If you're an individual and you're thinking about buying a new, you know, large screen TV, maybe slow that down. Now hear me out. I understand why content creators and the media say things like, we're going into a recession, the world is ending, buy canned foods, etc. It gets clicks and it gets views. I see it happen with my own videos as well. But what I don't understand is that if you're Jeff Bezos and you make money from consumer spending, why are you going out of your way to say that there's going to be a recession and that you need to be careful about spending money? And I'm not just cherry picking here. Look at these other examples of some of the most rich and powerful people on earth saying the exact same thing. You know, mild recession for... I don't know, 18 months or something like that. I mean, Europe is already in a recession, and they're likely to put U.S. in some kind of recession six, nine months from now. An increase in interest rates that eventually will result in an economic slowdown. So I'm afraid that the bears on this one have a, a pretty strong argument. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Jamie Dimon, Bill Gates. I'm not saying their predictions are necessarily wrong, but these aren't exactly the types of people who would go against their own financial interests and offer up this kind of advice from the goodness of their hearts. At least I don't think so. Let me know what you think. But I think there's more going on here. And yes, we had to take some losses in our subprime department last year, but those losses will be contained at only 5%. I have a question, please. Sir, the Q&A is after my statements, but you know what? You seem anxious. Thank you. How can I help you? How are you? Fine, thank you. Would you say that it is a possibility or a probability that subprime losses stop at 5%. Thank you. I would say it is a very strong probability, indeed. Zero, zero. There is a 0% chance that your subprime losses will stop at 5%. Zero, excuse me. I have to take this. He must be from Bank of America. That is how we expect people in positions of power to behave in the weeks and months leading up to an economic recession. The wealthy, the elite, the establishment mouthpieces will say, no, the market is strong and there's nothing to worry about. And any opinions and evidence contrary to that are to be dismissed as fringe conspiracies. Today, however, mega investment firms like BlackRock are publicly shouting from the rooftops, telling us to quote unquote, Get ready for a recession unlike any other, and what worked in the past won't work now. This is really bizarre to me because, and this is a little anecdote, the commencement speaker at my MBA graduation, her name was Sally Krachek. She was kind of a famous former research analyst and banking executive. 
she told us in her speech that there was an unwritten rule within Wall Street to never write or publish negative research. Basically, if you predicted that the market would go up and it didn't, that would be okay. Just dust your stuff off and we'll get it right the next time. But if you predicted that the market would go down and it didn't, you'd be crucified and fired. That was just how it was, apparently. But for some reason, they've now done a complete 180. And throughout all of 2022, CEOs and billionaires have been promulgating this recession narrative, so much so that over 50% of Americans think that the economy is only going to get worse in 2023, according to a recent Wall Street Journal poll. So it's either that people in power are for some reason more honest, more altruistic now, and warning people about getting smart with their money, or there's something else going on. I think there could be something else going on. First off, despite however outwardly quote-unquote somber the mood has been for CEOs, the fact is that U.S. corporations are still lining up to buy back their own shares. The article I'm citing is from January 9th, 2023, Bloomberg News, Quote, despite 98% or whatever survey you want to use of CEOs saying that they're worried about a recession, they are still comfortable enough to spend money on stock buybacks. So are they really that worried? That's a good question. Are they? Because evidence suggests that a recession isn't much of a worry if you have enough capital due to the fact that you can not only withstand a recession, but you'll come out of it even better off than you were previously. The Great Depression, the dot-com bubble, the financial crisis, their survivors always got bigger. But here is the key difference. You remember that clip from earlier, the big short. The big banks were definitely aware of their over-levered position and knew they were exposed if the bubble were to pop. Probably not to the degree or magnitude, but they knew it would be bad for them which is why it was widely reported afterwards that many of them had tried to conceal their bad investments and financial woes with quote-unquote accounting sleight of hand. Accounting sleight of hand. Interesting how they put that. But my point is, this is not the case today. According to a report from JP Morgan, all the big banks appear to be well capitalized to weather a recession. The nomenclature on this graphic looks a little bit technical, but to put it simply, even under the worst case scenario, the banks would have more than enough cash in reserve to weather the storm and comply with regulatory requirements that were put in place after the financial crisis. So in some ways, I guess it's a good thing that they've learned their lesson and won't be on the brink of collapse if the economy were to tank, but maybe not so good in the sense that they might also be willing to tolerate or even bring about a recession for their own self-serving interests, knowing full well the negative impact it would have on everyday working people. For example, think about housing. If housing prices were to collapse, who would be best primed to take advantage, you think? A well-capitalized institutional investment firm or a full-time worker whose job may or may not have been impacted by a recession trying to pay their monthly mortgage or saving up to buy their first house? This is from Fortune Magazine, quote, What's an interesting dynamic with institutional investors is a lot of them have been sitting on the sidelines waiting for that moment to strike. They're thinking, hey, I want to buy these homes from you, the builder, but I want to have a discount to do so. These institutional investors don't just want markdowns in the 10% ballpark. They're hoping for 20% and 30%. Well, that's sort of convenient, isn't it? The hollowing out of America's housing market vis-a-vis -a, -vis a recession by corporate vultures. 
Alex Carp, thank you for being here. I'm very nice happy. To see you. How nice. many times have we been doing this? Uh, many, many, many times. times. Uh, yeah. And we've been through a bit of a roller coaster in terms of the economy, in terms of the world, geopolitics and everything. Where, what is your sense now and what's do you think the sensibility is here right now? Yeah, I'm look, we built our company and I believe in addressing the world as it is. We've built our company around the way the world is now. I am pessimistic about the near future, very optimistic about what we can do to help that. Alex Karp of Palantir Technologies, a scarily powerful firm, look them up. But anyway, the point I wanted to make is that I think that clip perfectly encapsulates the mindset of Davos and the World Economic Forum and the game they play. The CEOs, the billionaires, and the business community, they love to pontificate about the state of the world, the opportunities, the challenges, and how they are the ones somehow best equipped to save the world, except, of course, ignoring the fact that they are responsible for causing most, if not all, of the problems in the first place, thus perpetuating the cycle where they create problems, then they get together to talk about the problems, which then ultimately lead to these backroom deals where they hatch these profit-generating schemes that masquerade around as solutions. That's a conspiracy if there ever was one, because with each of these cycles, they gain just a little bit more control over the masses, and we gradually and inevitably lose our personal sovereignty. So, is the recession coming? Is it already here? For now, we can only conjecture, but the undeniable truth is that each and every invitee at Davos no doubt has the ability to profit handsomely from economic, social, and geopolitical disorder, all while prancing about the Swiss Alps, cosplaying as altruistic ambassadors of the world. That is all from me this time. I am very curious to know what you think. Also, if you found today's discussion about Davos to be helpful, Please take a moment to check out my channel, 5149 with James Lee, where I release weekly videos relating to the intersection of business, politics, and society. The link will be in the description below. Of course, subscribe to Breaking Points, and thank you so much for your time today. All right, that was James Lee from Breaking Points, and I think that ties in really well with what you what you were saying, you know, is that they are doing this predictive programming. Mm -hmm. You know, they are uh, bringing up all these, you know, using air quotes, problems, right, that we have to come up with solutions to. You heard Klaus in the opening remarks there just kind of going through the litany of them. And uh, then what happens is, is that uh, they bring all their friends together, not to share ideas and, and debate what would actually work, but literally to send out the marching orders you know, and this is where you need to invest. This is where you need to, uh, when I say you, I mean the, 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 the powerful, the elite mm -hmm. of the world. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what, so, did you get... You know, this reminds me a little bit of the conversation with we had with Rich Monroe some, several episodes ago where, where we have, you know, Klaus doing the predictive programming and mainstream media and even alternative media kind of going along and broadcasting that and talking about it. And then we have this gentleman talking about maybe like their ulterior motives, how they're going to make money off of all that. 
But then in the end, like he he leaves us all hanging, right? Because he's really not offering any solutions. Okay, what are we gonna do here? We're just gonna be discussing about the theories, right, of what's going on, what they're talking about behind closed doors. You know, to me, the WEF is basically a bunch of you know whatever they are, if they're <laughs> mankind or not, who knows, uh, clones, <laughs> you know, sociopaths, psychopaths, who knows. Where they are, you know, they're just bored, right? And they want to put on the show, you know, and broadcast that this broadcast a certain um, synthetic reality, really. Yeah. You know, and so when we are kind of putting our focus and our energy there, and I think we've been there, you know, where it's it sounds scary and it sounds stressful. It sounds like you might lose everything you worked for, um, but they're not offering any solutions. And when we started then in this podcast, just trying to talk about, okay, what are the things that we can do and how can we take control? I think the first thing is to recognize, I mean, this is predictive programming. This is imposing on us the synthetic reality and look around you look around you where you are and be grateful for everything that you have and know that there's no requirement for you to participate on any of this yeah nothing you know and one example I mean go back to the episodes we did with Robert Michael where we talked about okay the system is the system and you're you're not in the system you are this being, this magnificent being that was created to live amazing lives, experience this plane, this three-dimensional reality. Don't lock yourself down to the synthetic, you know, you know, a version that, I mean, it has no appeal, really, to participate in. So just know there are alternatives to this we don't have to participate we don't have to put our energy there and we can even be entertained because really i mean it's so repetitive this playbook i remember when i was 12 years old okay in rio de janeiro um my school it was my history teacher i think okay she was very she she was very animated and very energized and very excited to be teaching but she had very um, socialistic tendencies, I would say. She would teach us all at 12 years old that socialism was really the the prime ideal system that we and we should all be paying attention. Um, and so there was this this event in Brazil. It was called uh, Echo 92, which is all about the whole thing with uh, global warming. What are we going to do? We're killing the planet. And there I was at 12 years old being part of this event with people from all over the world because it was like a project that I was doing in sixth grade and buying into that, you know, and, and trying to figure out, okay, so we're here and we're supposed to save the world, but at the same time, uh, there's so much litter with all these pamphlets from all these different different uh, booths. And it was so like yeah, so disconnected. Much yeah. We're talking about saving the planet, but here we are. You know, not saving the it's like, planet. It's like going to a health food conference and they're serving McDonald's at lunch. Yeah, yeah. So, so what I'm saying is like, just recognize this for what it is. It's a show. A shit show, yeah. It's a shit show. 
And we don't have to participate. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. But I mean, I do think that, that um, and just for those of you, uh, if you've listened here, you've probably heard us talk about predictive programming. If you're unfamiliar with predictive programming, then, you know, essentially that concept is where seeds are planted, you know, uh, well in advance of something uh, happening to really warm you up to the idea that it is a reality because the thought is is that if they are not warming you up to that reality and then it is to happen then you wouldn't buy it you know or, yeah. you, or you, you wouldn't buy it as deeply whereas if you're having those those uh, rows of seeds planted by it being brought up here and there they mention it in a movie it's on a newscast it's in a book uh, you know, even if it's a tangential type uh, comment about it, mm-hmm. then when it actually happens, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I heard we were headed that way. You know, mm-hmm. like for years, they, they, they talked about, oh, we're, we're creating this climate catastrophe. We're going to create this, uh, uh, you know, this, this uh, pandemic, you know, what it's going to happen. We, we knew that was that was uh, something they were jamming down our throats for, for decades. And then uh, uh, once it happens, it's like, oh, see, look. We did it to ourselves here. Yeah. No, I mean they didn't do it. We did it. We did. It. That's what I'm saying. That's that. that yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. So because they're they're the savior. They're trying to. But fix I it. think ultimately, what these creatures, <laughs> whatever they are, want they want our attention so badly. Mm-hmm. They want our focus. They want our energy. We're talking about them. Yeah, because ultimately they can't they can't create. Whatever right. they create, like the system they created, and they wanted us to be part of, is so bad. It's so fake. Like everything is fake. Like the grass is fake. The uh, you know, the, the, the virtual, the metaverse, the virtual reality is like all fake. They want us in our intention so bad that really, like, we ought to feel honored. <laughs> really, I mean, we must be so awesome and so amazing for them to want us so bad to create this this you know this i'm not going to use the word benevolent because it's not <laughs> because it's not it. a word okay <laughs> it's a word important <laughs> but these like ludicrous you know world that we need to be part of we need to be part of the solution when at the same time they're creating all the problems so they can come up with the solutions and be the saviors and make us look up to them when they're really looking up to us. That, yeah. That's my theory. My big theory. My big bang theory. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like like the inflation situation, you know, uh, they're talking about, oh, we're, we're, we've made strides. Inflation's coming down. It's like, well, I mean, we only have the inflation because you fucked us. You know <laughs> what I mean? And you printed money nonstop. Uh-huh. So, so, I mean, I don't understand, you know, yeah, you should fix it because you created it, but now they want, they want kudos. They want a pat on the back for, for bringing the rate of inflation down, which I'm not really sure that I see that as actually happening, but they're, they're saying that, that, that it's coming down, but. And this is such a parallel with, and I don't know if we're going there yet, but with the whole thing, with the, the medical situation, we had this this pandemic we had right where now the big narrative is the gain of function is gaining momentum and then they're talking about how the the medical interventions they created the the injections they created are not good enough like we've been saying 
since before this product was launched in the market, right? Now they are talking about this and they want to run with this other story of here. Yeah, maybe there was a leak of some virus somewhere in the world, but you know, it is what it is. Now we got to fix it. So you have to go ahead and go get your medical intervention and participate in the solution. I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same pattern, just in a different context. And, and it is interesting, um, be it that we've been producing this now for over two years. And so you know, we can go back to some of those early episodes that we did and we can see, you know, when we reported on some of the data that was coming out showing the ineffectiveness or the lack, lack of efficacy around these shots. And, uh, you know, if you were somebody trying to get that word out on mainstream media, they weren't having it. You know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't talk about it. They said you were conspiracy theorists. So now here we are, uh, uh, you know, two and a half years removed or whatever it is. And, and now we're seeing a, a bunch of news stations reporting mm-hmm. on, you know, issues with these vaccines, you know, these cardiac issues, all of this type of stuff. Um, Should we get into that? We can. I mean... Uh, uh, do you have more WEF? I don't have a lot more with WEF. I mean, I just Content. think... I just think the WEF... Because, yeah, like you said, I don't want to give them any more platform you know, but, but, uh, you know, we felt like we needed to discuss just for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Get you to pay attention, have a laugh. Well, and I want you to, I want you to also think, and and I think I mentioned this the last time we, cause we did a 2022 uh, episode on the way. I had to do an update. And I, and I want to repeat myself cause I'm pretty sure I mentioned it in that. I said, you know, most people, when I say most, I mean, 99 out of a hundred, uh, had never heard of the WEF you know, before Mm -hmm. the pandemic. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and it's been around Mm -hmm. for a long time. Okay. Mm -hmm. I I can't remember exactly with the dates it was started, but I mean, I think it's been around at least for, you know, 25 or 30 years, maybe even longer than that. They're just so excited that now everybody's talking about them. Yeah. Well, but my point being, um, you know, these conversations that they're having and the people that they are, um, corroborating with, uh, you know, these are people who are directing a lot of money, directing a lot of products, a lot of, um, of, uh, uh, legislation and whatnot. And so, although we don't want to get down the rabbit hole of what they're doing, because, you know, again, we don't think they'll be successful, you know, it is still something you have to think, okay, look, these people have been moving chess pieces, for years and years and years, you know, even Klaus Schwab has said, you know, centuries. Really. Yeah, Klaus Schwab has said that that uh, I'm, I'm just saying under the WEF uh, moniker, you know, they've been working to train individuals and get them within the cabinets of, of governments, and and I think he had said some interesting stats where you know they had people placed, you know, in direct arm's length of uh, 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 the leaders of certain countries, you know, in like I don't know. 13 of the 20 biggest countries or something like that. So, I mean, that that's pretty wild, you know, that they were able to do that and really all under the radar. N- right. Nobody had heard about it. Now here they are, you know, they've been brought to the, the, the stage because of the pandemic and because of, you know, the Great Reset, the book that Klaus Schwab wrote that... <clears throat> 
really, I, I don't think they're they're talking about it as much. That was last year and whatnot. There, I think they're trying to distance themselves from that that name. Mm-hmm. But the the policies are the same, um, and so I, I I think it's interesting. I think people you know, should be aware because there are several groups like this, you know, the, the Bilderberg group, the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations, the WEF. And I'm sure a lot of these people are, are, uh, uh, in all of these groups. I think it's like Game of Thrones, you know? Yeah. Whoever yeah. It, it, they're gangs. Yeah. They're <laughs> Whatever like gangs. given time. But, but, uh, it is important, you know, because, uh, again, we go back to the predictive programming thing, because if you, see it as predictive programming, Mm -hmm. then it works differently Mm -hmm. because then you can catch it when you're watching the football game and you can catch it when you're seeing a movie or when you're looking at your, your list of recommended films by Netflix, Mm -hmm. you see it, you know, you, you see where the programming is, is planting seeds and you're like, holy shit. You know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, seeing this, uh, as a reality, I'm being conditioned. And then you were, as we discussed on, I think, was it our last episode about Sam? Oh, yeah, with Renat. Yeah, with Renat, when we were talking about, you know, being awake and then getting out of bed. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. So yeah. you're being awake and you're seeing it for what it is now. It's a show. They want your attention because they're in so much awe of you that they need your energy and your focus. And then you can go ahead and say, Hey, I don't, I don't want to participate. So I'm going to go over there and I'm going to go ahead and start my garden. I'm going to go ahead and get my chickens. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and get my birth certificates and realize that, Hey, I'm not this piece of paper. I didn't sign this. We're going to go ahead and listen to Robert Michael's episode, you know, (laughs) and then distance ourselves and create our own amazing world and communities and reality. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I agree. Um, and again, we don't want to give, we don't want to go into what the WEF is pushing like we did last year per se, but I, we, we just wanted to bring up that it happened again. You may have heard about it on the news and be aware of that programming because it is everywhere. And that's how, uh, they are having some effectiveness, you know, in, in pushing this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another thing that I think we wanted to talk a little bit about was, uh, uh, you know, to kind of go back to our roots, we were, we were talking about the, uh, uh, the pandemic and, mm. and, uh, COVID and, um, you know, there's been a lot of hubbub, you know, you just mentioned a little bit ago, they've really been pushing gain of function, you know, in the news and all of this, you know, there was the, uh, uh, the exchanges between Rand Paul and Fauci. And, uh, uh, then just recently we had this, Project Veritas uh, uh, expose where they had tricked a director from Pfizer who thought he was on a date uh, from <laughs> Tinder. And After so many of these, they're still catching. Well, but but this one, Pfizer th- th- this one was interesting because um, the gentleman really seemed to go in depth. And, yeah. and, and, and it was like, they're offering up all this information. Yeah. It's like, who does that? Yeah, who you does know what I mean? That? I mean, I mean, cause you gotta, if you're, if you're with a date, you think they're going to know <laughs> half of these terms, right. you know what I mean? And so it, it's really strange to me, you know, cause the first time I heard it, I was like, oh wow, this is really incendiary, you know, but then I listened to it again and I'm like, that's really 
on the nose. I mean, if we go on a date, what do we talk about? You know, your background. What you? Do well, this was the third day. date, <laughs> supposedly. Okay. Okay. And and these are gay men. You don't have so, any clips so, from that, do you? Well, I mean, we have it. I'm sure, let's, but let's play one. I mean, we'll see here how it. Because um, I honestly, I kind of tuned out Project Veritas a little bit ago. I well, think they've done some pretty cool stuff, but now I'm like, okay, it's getting too much in your face now. Well, but my point, the point that I was trying to make, though, was that, um, you know, we've, we really, and I, mean, I think I speak for you when I say, I, I think we're very much in the no virus camp, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when I say that, I mean, there are some really big problems with virology that have to get answered. I mean, virology is... I mean, if you look at the studies, it's kind of like it's basically made up like all these speeches that we hear from the WEF. Well, but my my but what I'm saying is, is that um, we, we have some very uh, knowledgeable experts mm-hmm. that have dove have some deep. Some great episodes for you guys to listen they, to. They've dove well. deep and there are some very good questions. And so this comes back to the, 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 the foundation mm-hmm. that this is all set up under. And so when we look at the conversation that's happening right now around gain of function, mm-hmm. and especially, really, especially this uh, expose from Project Veritas, uh, what is it doing? I mean, it's, it, it's certainly not uh, poking holes in the, the virus or a no virus. It's not really going there. It's really just pushing the viral paradigm. Yeah. And, and it, the fear that you are now this victim, well, you are this victim, right? This invisible enemy could come and strike at you at any moment and kill you. Killed you, kill you and all your loved ones. Yeah. Well, here, here you, like you, you said you wanted to hear. Yeah, um, let's do it. Let's I see. Really... Well, here, hang on. All right, I found it here. Hang on a minute. So this is the... Uh, Pfizer ultimately is thinking about mutating COVID? Well, that is not what we say to the public. No. Don't tell anyone this story. You probably shouldn't tell anyone. You probably shouldn't tell anyone. We're exploring, like, no... You know how the virus keeps mutating? Yeah. Well, one of the things we're exploring is, like, why don't we just mutate it ourselves so we can predictably develop new vaccines, right? So we have to do that. If we're going to do that, though, there's a risk of, like, as you could imagine, no one wants to be having a pharma company mutating fucking viruses. To be like very controlled to make sure that this virus that you mutate doesn't create something like you know goes everywhere. Something Which crazy. Is the way that the virus started and moving on. To be honest, like it's, it makes no sense that this virus popped out of nowhere. Like yeah, I know. Meet Jordan Tristan Walker, a director of research and development strategic operations and mRNA scientific planning at Pfizer. It sounds like gain of function to me. I don't know. It's a little bit different. I think it's different. It's like there's. It's definitely not gain of function. It sounds like it is. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. So directed evolution is very different. Yeah. Well, you're not supposed to do gain of function research with the viruses. Like, yeah. They recommend not. But you do, like, these, like, selected threshold mutations to try to see if you make more potent. Yeah. So there, there is research I'm learning about that. I don't know how that's going to work. There might not be any more outbreaks. Just like, Jesus Christ. The gentleman seems to have 
absolutely no moral compass at all. Are revolving door for all government officials? It's pretty good for the industry, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad for everyone else in America. Why is it bad for everybody else? Because if the regulators who have to approve our drugs know that once they stop being regulated, they want to go work for the company, then I got to be as hard for the company. You know, we're doing our job. If this is the quality of individuals within Pfizer that are making these huge decisions that uh, risk global public health, it's profoundly corrupt. Okay, yeah. Project Veritas has some, uh, you know, uh, uh, ominous music there <laughs> and they replay. But essentially, this director uh, of research and development, uh, he is telling this date that they are mutating the virus uh, under something called directed evolution, which is not gain of function. It's like they're rebranding it. But re regardless, though, in, there's actually a much longer clip. Those are just kind of like some key sentences in the beginning preview. The 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 longer um, uh, clip has much more, and he's very detailed. And you you're asking yourself as you're looking at this, who talks like this at a at a dinner date? I mean, he's using some terminology. You know, he's going into some process stuff that just seems completely, you know, unnecessary in a conversation with a layman. You, you know what I mean? And, and so, so again, we come back to this predictive programming in this particular clip. Now, I think it's already up to like, you know, 26 million views, you know, in less than a week. Um, so it's got, I, I asked myself the question, you know, how can we win in conversations like this? Because it's just a reinforcement of, okay, the world sucks. You have these evil people. They're trying to like kill you. And then at the same time, there's this, this vaccine that we're mRNA. I, I even doubt now. I mean, I know we cover that a lot um, in our earlier seasons about the vaccine, what could be in the vaccine. And now I even doubt. I, I, I think that was propaganda too. Because, I mean, it's still the insert of the, these uh, injections is still blank. Mm -hmm. Like you have no idea what's in it. Isn't that nuts? They, they still put. The piece of paper in <laughs> you there. You open it. It's like there's and, nothing and, on and, it. And it says it actually has the words printed on it, left blank intentionally. And and here I was back then, really believing. I mean, I at least thought that the ingredients would be somewhere, okay, listed somewhere, and that whatever clinical trials they're doing, they have some. Some data. I thought that was being tracked somehow. I mean, even if it wasn't, they were not doing a very good job. I still believe that they were somehow taking this somewhat seriously. But because people just don't care, they would just take the injection and, you know, just believe whatever. They don't look. I mean, they, they don't even bother anymore to even tell you what's in it. Well, but even more so, we were talking earlier about how the mainstream media is finally kind of picking up on the lack of efficacy and also the, the, uh -huh. the, the actual adverse events around this. Yet, it seems like in a lot of uh, government circles, I mean, they're still pushing forward with this thing, you know, and, and uh, adding it to schedules. And, and well, so, I mean, they, because they're desperate. But I mean, I, I isn't, isn't that isn't that nutty to think that you can now have the news 
reporting on uh-huh. the, these major issues, you know, myocarditis in, in young men. Um, well, uh, don't they attribute that to long COVID, though? No, but they're they're saying that that there's clearly um, some da- they do attribute that to long COVID, uh-huh. but but uh, ironically enough, um, the from the studies that I've read, which uh, I know that I'm saying this now, I'm going to have to post a study that I read, but course, yeah, but yeah, but yeah. but I believe that that most people with long COVID uh, were vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and it's just crazy that they still don't associate it, but. Yeah. Another conversation. Anyways, you want to play that uh, Dr. Bill? Dr. Bill Gates? Well, what was <laughs> the Dr. Clef? Bill one? <laughs> it's him basically admitting that um, the injections, you know, they, they kind of dropped the ball there. They really don't do. Oh, you just kind of want to get it on the... Yeah, uh, just because this kind of goes along with what we're saying. Now, here you're, you're hearing from... The mouse horse, is that how you say that? The horse's mouth. The horse's mouth. <laughs> the mouth horse. What but he that? still believes that. Oh, well, let's listen. I don't want to. All right, let's listen. Give away. All right, all right, here, give him the floor. So, antibodies, antivirals. We think we can also have very early in an ep- and epidemic a thing you can inhale uh, that will mean that you can't be infected. A, a blocker, an inhaled blocker. We also need to fix the three problems with vaccines. The current vaccines are not infection blocking. Uh, they're not broad. So when new variants come up, you lose protection. And they have very short duration, uh, particularly in the people who matter, which are old people. And every one of those things is, is fixable. Uh, in fact, doing that work is going to help vaccinology very, very broadly. So okay, so so let's 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 run over what he said because okay? this is what they do. They talk about it like they know what they're talking about, okay, and assume that you're not going to ask any questions. So he said, no infection blocking. Okay, infection is that really a thing? I mean, nobody has seen this virus. Okay, right. we have several episodes. You can go back. I know it's a very difficult conversation. People still believe that viruses exist but you can go and look at every study now it's not very hard to um to detect that there's a lot of stuff in this cultures there's no way for you to tell what is causing uh tissue degradation okay there's no way to tell there's no way to tell and if you doubt that we can post a study we're gonna put that in the show notes so you can go and read the methods and you're gonna see there's a bunch of stuff in this concoction that they say a virus caused this uh, tissue degradation okay so 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 what infection are we talking about here okay uh, and then he said uh, they're not infection blocking. Is that what you said? Or what did you say about the blocking? I think what he's meaning there is, is stopping, um, well, infection, I mean, you can still get sick. You can still get sick. Still get sick. Do you get sick from a virus or do you get sick from all the toxic shit they put in these, these cocktails? Yeah. You don't know. Okay. And then he says they have short duration. I mean, how can you even tell short duration? How can you even tell what the yeah, duration if you, if you of it is? If you still get sick. Yeah. yeah. If you still get sick, then how Does do that you mean know how long Does that mean because you, you took the poison and then you got sick? That means like the duration, what? It, there's no duration? I mean, how do you know what's making you sick? At the end of the day, you don't know what's in it. Nobody's seen the virus. So it's like the, 
you know, is the chicken and the egg question. I mean, what what comes first? Does it the chicken come first or the egg come first? I mean, if there is no samples in nature that they can provide of this thing, they say that it will kill you and you need this in injection. And now we're assuming that the injection is not working. And he also in the end says that they're improving vaccinology and all these problems are fixable. Which is intriguing, too, because, uh, you know, the science was settled. Because the science is settled. Because the science was settled, but, but there are things that need to be fixed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so you see how you're being gaslit. You're being gaslit, and you're also like, he's just assuming a bunch of stuff and hoping that you're just going to believe him because he's Dr. Bill Gates, and he knows what he's talking about because he's made a ton of money shitload of money since this pandemic with uh his uh you know his vaccination hey, and and let's um on on the note of vaccination something that uh, you know we've started to do a little bit more air travel yeah and um you know we also have a son who's who's you know trying to become a pilot and all mm -hmm, of that mm -hmm. and and uh uh, interesting things happening in, in air travel. And so, you know, there was a, a, an interesting feature on Tucker Carlson's program uh, that we wanted to play here. So take a listen on this one. The FAA just made a major change in the health requirements for pilots with heart damage. The FAA has significantly broadened the acceptable EKG range for commercial pilots. Steve Kirsch reported this on his Substack. Now, the change now allows people Steve with Kirsch. injured hearts, cardiac injury, to fly. Now, the FAA made this change last October just after the vaccines were rolled out and made mandatory. Why? Well, we reached out to the FAA today for an explanation. They claim they, quote, follow standard processes based on data and science, whatever that means. Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long is an Army flight surgeon. She joins us tonight to assess. Doctor, thank you so much. Uh, for coming on. So this, you know, raised some red flags, I would say, for people, given what's at stake in commercial air travel. Why do you think the FAA did this? It's very obscure because extending the PR interval from um, the acceptable range of 120 to 200 milliseconds to 300 milliseconds um, does not improve safety. And I would like to see the data and the research that they based that decision on. In aviation, we are a data-driven um, institution and everything centers around risk mitigation. So making that um, broader actually puts the, the public at greater risk of a, of a pilot having um, a cardiac event that didn't get caught because um, they've extended that range. So, I mean, that's inexplicable. Everything the FAA does, as you just said, has to be designed with one goal in mind, and that's the safest possible flight, commercial, military pilot. I mean, and pilots think that way. So there is no way, in your opinion, as a flight surgeon, that this change, whatever its cause, could make air travel safer. No, and in light of the emerging and overwhelming data that is showing the uh, cardiac damage from COVID and the COVID vaccines on cardiac um, muscle, I can't imagine why they would make this move. So if you are unvaccinated and you're looking for a 
vocational change, then mm-hmm. becoming an airline pilot may right. be the way to go. It's the a growth industry because of this. Uh, and then maybe, you know, you can fly yourself to places. You know? Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Besides just getting a job, just get your that, employment. That is my plan. <laughs> Okay, since the beginning. Yeah, you've been doing some predictive programming. I that, have. So I've been creating my own reality. I wouldn't here. be surprised if it happens. But I mean, I I, I think that's just so intriguing because I mean that's we've we've really been getting into aviation because you know, our son's doing this. He's doing projects at school around it. Mm-hmm. So so we're we're getting exposed to people and and, and we hate flying commercial. Well, <laughs> well, but but my point is that what we've learned is, you know, safety as it should be, but safety is really just, it's throughout everything you do. You know, you're checking twice, three times, four times on, on instrumentation and, and walk arounds of the plane, looking at your gas levels. uh, uh, How do you feel as a pilot? You know, I mean, and this is just flying a little puddle jumper plane, you know, (laughs) let alone these big ones. And so, you know, she makes the point that, this change, there is no way that it could do anything to improve safety. Uh-huh. So they're doing it for some other reason and they're not saying. And I mean, we all know the reason and it's because these vaccine mandates, number one, pushed a lot of pilots out of the uh, uh, the vocation of, of, of being airline pilots because they didn't want to get the shots, number one. Oh. And then you had a whole other population that stayed and got the shots, and now they've got problems mm-hmm. as a result, and they couldn't pass the, the requirements, the physical requirements uh, from the heart readings. So they have expanded the window of what is allowable for uh, uh, pilots, and that means that people with riskier heart status mm-hmm. can now be cleared to fly mm-hmm. for a commercial uh, planes. So, I mean, it's got to blow your mind, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because you would think it would only go the other direction. Yeah. It would get stricter. Oh well, well, again, we know it's not about safety. We know it's not about safety, but but I and I, it's okay to know it's not about safety. It's totally okay because then you can find alternatives for yourself and your family. You can, you can, and so yeah. we so we're taking that step, right? Yes, and we're telling you, you can do it too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so anyway, so we've covered a lot of topics here in the hour. You know, the the WEF. Uh, the vaccine. Was there anything else related to uh, what was happening with the the shots that you wanted to to cover? I mean, I am so like just out of tune with what you know. Well, you know, that's, it gets so repetitive. I'm a little bored. It, it, it is repetitive, and so you know, we didn't have an interview for you this week. So, but we we but you had us. Yes, and some people do like hearing us. Yes, I, I mean, a lot of I know that is a. Uh, that is maybe a potentially a little bit smaller population than likes the interviews, but uh, I think it's a larger population. <laughs> I mean, I I am totally thinking that you think okay, totally all right, popular. all right. I'm gonna okay. go with that thought. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that too. And we have some pretty exciting interviews coming up coming up this season. So stay tuned. Yeah. All right. So are we good then? Yes. All right. Excellent. So uh, remember, everybody, get follow us on the Telegram channel at the Collective Resistance. Uh, on Telegram, we're also on Twitter, TCRP4178. And then uh, um, we have our Rumble channel, mm-hmm. uh, the Collective Resistance As Podcast. all our video episodes and our interviews. We have some fantastic content. Yeah, some good stuff that coming up. That empowers you 
to create your own reality. All right. All right. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of the Collective Resistance Podcast. Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Stay curious.